Hello and welcome to episode five of Fish Across the Pond, a Miami Marlins UK baseball podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and joining me today, we have a US-based Reds fan, uh, Dave McAllister. Dave, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Peter. Yeah, great. Great to have you along. Um, Where where in the, the US are you actually based? I live in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is a little closer to Braves country than Reds country. But for about 10 years, I lived in Cincinnati and uh, until recently uh, lived in Reds country my whole life. So I've been a Reds fan uh, since I knew what baseball was. I was around eight years old when they won the championship in 1990 and uh, been following the team ever since. Awesome. And uh, we spoke a little bit before uh, before we started the pod. You were actually there. For opening day as well. This I was year. there for opening day, uh, and I was there for the uh, the Sunday game. We'd originally gotten tickets for the whole weekend, and uh, the Saturday game got rained out. So uh, I was there for opening day. Exciting win, and that has been it for the Reds right now in terms <laughs> of the win column. Yep. <laughs> uh, so Marlins, you're not catching the Reds team playing their best baseball at the moment. But uh, yeah, I've I've been able to go to two games already this year. Uh, the makeup. Uh, game that was rained out is going to be played uh, as a doubleheader at the end of May against Pittsburgh, which if you've been watching any highlights should be an interesting uh, uh, series after the events of yesterday. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think, again, it was a topical, it's, a, it's topical to be having this podcast today after what went on last night, uh, particularly uh, the fact that the main one of the main players involved was was of course Derek Dietrich, uh, a Marlins favorite. He was certainly one of the one of my favorite players, um, particularly last year where he got a lot more playing time. So we'll we'll deep dive into that a bit a little bit later on. Um, I'm not overly familiar with the Reds, so I think it's good to maybe cover a little bit of what you guys have been up to in the off season first, et cetera, and just try and get a bit more of an understanding. But as we stand here today, the Reds one and eight uh, in a, in a tough NL central division for sure. Um, 2018, you were 67 and 95, um, uh, which was fifth place in the NL central. Um, what, what are we, what have we seen from the Reds in the off season? And what are the expectations going into 2019 for you guys? Sure. Yeah. So you'll notice around Major League Baseball, every team is wearing a patch on its sleeve honoring the 150th anniversary of baseball. And Cincinnati has uh, has um, more patches on their uh, on their uh, uniforms uh, to commemorate the first Major League Baseball team 150 years ago. And it feels like that long since the Reds have won, really. Uh, it's not quite that long. That last year of uh, 67 and 95 was the fourth year in a row of 90-plus losses. Uh, after 2014, they went 76 and 86. They made the playoffs three out of four years between 2010 and 2013. Uh, so the, 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 the fan base, Cincinnati, is a bit underrated as an angry fan base. Philadelphia gets a lot of uh, press for, for angry fans. Uh, so there are a lot of fans that were, were getting really jaded and cynical about the franchise. Um, 
this offseason has been perhaps the most uh, eventful, and uh, a lot of fans kind of hopped back on uh, in terms of interest for the team. Uh, starting October 21st of 2018, after the uh, World Series, David Bell, Cincinnati native, uh, Cincinnati Archbishop Moeller High School graduate. Uh, Buddy Bell was his father, another Reds player. Uh, so David Bell was named the manager. Uh, then December 12th, the Reds acquired Tanner Roark. Uh, that was the the absolute Achilles heel of the team last year was pitching. They had some of the worst pitching in, in, uh, in the major leagues. So they acquired Tanner Roark from the Nationals for Tanner Rainey, a relief pitcher. Then December 21st, an early Christmas present for the Reds as the uh, the Reds traded away Homer Bailey, who had one of statistically the worst baseball seasons of as starting pitcher in the history of, of, of baseball. Went 1-19. <laughs> Homer Bailey, prospects Jeter Downs, and Josiah Gray go to the um, Dodgers. And the, and the Reds get back Matt Kemp, Yasiel Puig, Alex Wood, and Kyle Farmer. Uh, all four of those players uh, will contribute to the Reds this season. Alex Wood was hurt in spring training, but Kyle Farmer is on the bench. And, of course, Puig and Kemp have been getting considerable time in the outfield. Uh, the Reds said they're not done. And there was a time where we thought that the, uh, the Reds were going to win the JT Real Muto sweepstakes. Uh, they were dangling Tucker Barnhart, who is a good catcher. He's, a, uh, he's under team control, and he's won a gold glove uh, for JT Real Muto, but eventually uh, Philadelphia won out there. Uh, the Reds did acquire also Sonny Gray to further bolster the, the, uh, the rotation and a minor league pitcher from the Yankees for a, um, a minor league second baseman, Shed Long. And then right before spring training, a couple of free agent signings, Zach Duke, Derek Dietrich, a former Marlin, mm-hmm. and uh, Jose Iglesias. Uh, so a lot of a lot of buzz. Uh, one move I didn't allude to was the uh, they let go they non tendered Billy Hamilton, who's been uh, a mainstay in the Reds outfield. Uh, we got a little spoiled watching him run down every ball that was hit anywhere near him, uh, but could not hit water if he fell out of a boat. Uh, he was not a good <laughs> not good offensively. Uh, yep. hit around 220. Uh, if he could just get on base a little bit more, he could steal 80 to 100 bases a year. Um, ironically, we could use an outfielder hitting 220 right now because none of the outfielders we have are doing that well. Uh, they looked at a uh, one of their top prospects, Nick Senzel, in spring training. Uh, he played very well in spring training, hit 308, six doubles, no errors in center field. Uh, and a lot of the fans were saying that, hey, we need to just ignore service time, let this guy go out there and play center field. Uh, the management decided to go ahead and send him down. Some people feel like, like that was a service time manipulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he promptly sprained his ankle in a minor league game. And, of course, the Reds have gotten off to a horrific start uh, with their offense, with the outfield hitting pitifully. Uh, yep. Is there a timeline so for him to return? Uh, he is supposed to be out of a boot any day, um, so we'll see. Uh, but uh, he's going to, I'm sure, spend a couple of weeks more uh, in Louisville playing center field to just get more time in the position. Uh, yeah. We will see him in Cincinnati soon, I believe. Um, and he is, I believe, the best center fielder that's close to um, being able to, to get some time uh, so that's kind of the the off season and spring training. Oh, well, w- one further thing: spring training. Right at the end of spring training, uh, someone that has been a surprise for Reds fans 
the product the production that has come out of Scooter Jeanette. He was a mm-hmm. uh, waiver acquisition a few years ago, and he has just completely uh, taken off. Uh, for a large part of last year, he was the National League uh, batting average leader until Kristen Yelich ate his Wheaties and uh, and took over, and he's still on that tear. Uh, on a routine ground ball, uh, he uh, tore his groin, so he will be out to two to three months. Um, oh. So uh, we've got that. Alex Wood, of course, is hurt. Those are the only two injuries, three if you count uh, Senzel, uh, that the Reds have had. Uh, but that takes us up to uh, the beginning of the season. Yeah, for the off-season moves. So, a lot of—I mean, that—that's a yeah. lot of activity for sure. It was, and and uh, there was a lot of a lot of goodwill. They had the largest regular season crowd ever at Great American Ballpark, over forty-four thousand, uh, and the wheels uh, came off fairly quickly after that. <laughs> so, looking ahead to you know, after a sixty-seven win twenty eighteen season. All of the off-season moves. What what were your expectations going in to 2019 from a from a wins perspective? I'm guessing you're looking for progress there, right? Uh, I, I I was expecting them to compete. They haven't competed in a while, and mm-hmm. I just expected that um, they had get off to a better start than they did last year, which was not, I think, a, a huge expectation. Um, <laughs> I, I expected the division to be much tighter. I don't think any. I didn't think that anyone was going to run away with 100 win seasons. I, I felt like it was going to be closer, and a lot of the baseball perspective projections kind of back that up. A lot of them had the Reds still finishing last, but much closer. Uh, for me, when they made all the acquisitions, I said this is going to be a really fun team to watch. Even if they still finish last, it will be a lot more fun to watch a team that doesn't give up so many home runs, that are in more games. Um, I thought there was an outside shot. They would compete for a wild card uh, position. They might finish third, but you know, the, the next team up in the standings is Pittsburgh. And so, you know, they played out of the nine games they played. Five of them have been, six of them have been against uh, Pittsburgh. And so you'd expect if they're going to compete this year, they would do well. And they did not, they, they just finished off a four game uh, sweep at the hands of the pirates in Pittsburgh. So, uh, the early results have not been good. To put it to put yeah. it mildly, yeah. Well, it's only early. Um, a lot can <laughs> a lot can change over the course of a season. What from a Reds perspective? What are the looking at the roster right now? What are the main strengths of the ball club right now? How are you how are you hoping to win games? Uh, the the surprising uh, not surprising. This is what was hoped for with all the acquisitions. The starting pitching on on the whole has been great. Uh, and uh, Marlins fans, unfortunately, will be getting the best three pitchers uh, so far this year. Um, okay. The Tuesday night game will be started by Luis Castillo. Uh, some Marlins fans may recognize that name. That was a player <laughs> that the I've Reds acquired uh, for Dan Straley, uh, who mm. I felt did a great job for the Marlins as well. I was kind of surprised that they cut him. Uh, yeah, so but, uh, Cas- yeah uh, Castillo mm. came to the Reds, and Straley and um, – Chad Wallach, the backup catcher, went to the Marlins. Uh, so he'll face Urania. Uh, Castillo has a nasty Bugs Bunny changeup. Uh, eight of his nine strikeouts in his last start uh, came on a changeup, and Pirates hitters were flailing at it. A couple of them threw their bats, uh, uh, just not being able to catch up to it, uh, or being fooled by it, rather. Uh, Tyler Malley. Uh, is actually the Reds' number five starter. So the 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 in terms of the starting pitchers, it's one five two, uh, 
so Castillo on Tuesday, uh, Tyler Malley, who pitched magnificently against the Pirates, uh, albeit uh, they did not win that game. Uh, he's got a curveball. He's got a pretty nasty split changeup. Um, however, one thing to look for for the Marlins, four of the five hits he allowed were from left-handed hitters. Uh, so early results, uh, we would uh, hope to for that to be better as Reds fans. Uh, then uh, Thursday, Sonny Gray. Uh, he's continued this bizarre trend that he had with the Yankees of pitching very poorly at home and pitching very well on the road. He had a terrible start in Cincinnati, uh, two and two-thirds innings, 72 very, very cold pitches. I was in the bleachers <laughs> for that. It was very, very chilly. Uh, so he did not look sharp at all. Uh, that was the exact opposite against Pittsburgh. At one point, he retired 16 straight, uh, no walks, seven strikeouts. Um, so the strength has been actually surprisingly the starting pitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Derek Dietrich, you'd have to, to throw that in there. That's been a, a very pleasant surprise. The bench has been much better this season than it was last year. Uh, Dietrich being there. Uh, Jose Iglesias it was a, another free agent signing. Uh, that has ended up being v- very, uh, very good for the Reds because that is essentially he's taken Jeanette's spot in the lineup. They shifted Peraza over to second and they've played Iglesias at short. He's been spectacular on defense. He's had some timely hits on offense. Um, it's a bit ironic looking at the uh, the left side of the Reds infield. Um, Eugenio Suarez, the Reds' third baseman, is now an all-star. Power numbers have developed great. He's only 27 years old. He's been signed to an extension already. Uh, the Reds acquired him because the uh, Tigers had to choose between Jose Iglesias and a shortstop prospect by the name of Eugenio Suarez. The Reds traded, uh, at the time, was an all-star pitcher, Alfredo Simon, to get Suarez. So looking at that side of the infield, it's kind of like the, uh, the, the uh, Tigers uh, had to choose between those two players, and here they are next to each other now. Yeah. Um, so the, the bench has been much better. You've got, uh, uh, four outfielders. Um, one of them gets a day off. They're all, none of them are real bench players. They kind of platoon, but, uh, Jesse Winker, Matt Kemp, uh, Scott Shebler and Yasiel Puig out of those four, it looks like Puig is going to be taking a couple of days off most likely, uh, the commissioner's office may give him a couple more uh, days off <laughs> after today. So we'll see. So it looks like the, the, the three outfielders will be Winker, Kemp and uh, Shebler um, for at least the first game, if not the second game um, against Miami. Okay. All right. So, I mean, uh, with a one and eight record, um, pitching sounds like it's been good. I'm assuming then, that it's either the hitting or the bullpen that's blowing up. So one of the two or both of them aren't working, which, which, which has it been until two games ago, it was the hitting, uh, the last two games in Pittsburgh, they scored five runs each game and that brought their team batting average up to a robust one seventy. Uh, some of these batting averages look like your odds of winning the lotto. Uh, Jesse Winker is bringing an Oh 42 batting average into uh, into the series. Um, Suarez at 192, Vado 226. Barnhart's been uh, doing well, 275. So, uh, the hits they've been getting, uh, most of them have come in the last two days, um, aren't, aren't very timely. They just, they, they, they got shut out three games in a row. Um, so mostly it has been the offense. The last two games, it's been the pitching, um, the bullpen, uh, springing a few leaks and then, uh, uh, Descalfani was not sharp yesterday. Uh, that's another uh, 
former Marlin, actually. We traded him for uh, Matt Latos. Um, so uh, he was not sharp. He ended up giving up seven runs, all uh, six runs all told in yesterday's game. Um, so the the pitching a little bit, but mostly just this anemic offense. Uh, and and you know, the the more optimistic Reds fans will say that the uh, the the bats will heat up eventually. And uh, I believe that's true. We've played the Pirates pitching is good. Uh, I mean it's it's they, Trevor Williams and uh, Jameson Tyon and Chris Archer. Those are three tough pitchers to face. And uh, mm-hmm. the Reds have uh, you know out of their first nine games, they've played six against uh, some good pitching. Uh, and yep. the other three have been against the the Brewers, who are no slouches. And, uh, you know, the Brewers have gotten off to a lightning fast start, and the Reds lost each of those games by a single run. So the, the Reds are in it. Uh, mm. They've really not got, gotten blown out. Uh, the only game that wasn't close was Sonny Gray's uh, first start. The second game of the year, they lost 5 to nothing. They've been in every other game. So uh, it's 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 there's no panic it will appear in the clubhouse in fact the announcers seem to almost criticize them there's a lack of urgency but i, I seem to think there's no panic the, the 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 mantra is trust the process the bats will heat up um so the the uh the reds fan in me wants to see uh, a, a team with uh not not so dominant of pitching uh urania is a great pitcher and of course you've got trevor richards and pablo lopez so uh, maybe we can catch uh, catch those guys on on uh, a day when they're not sharp and get some of these uh, offensive numbers up and pull a couple wins out of the series. Yeah, well, I think Arania has been of the five that we've now seen. We've been around the rotation twice now, so back round to Arania again at one. Um, he's been the one that's struggled the most at the start of this season for sure. Um, he seems to have issues on opening day in general now. Um, that seems that's been a trait for the last two years. So, but the other guys, the rest of the rotation, have all I would say had a a strong start. Uh, one at least one solid start or one solid outing. So, yeah, the pitching. It's funny how the Marlins we've in a sense come you know, flipped flipped on its head really, where we had this offensive team. Uh, with Stanton and Yelich and Ozuna and et cetera, et cetera, for the last few years. And it was always talked of, we're just a few pitches away. And we've now traded everyone away from that team, rebuilt it from the pitch, you know, starting with the pitching. So completely different makeup of the Marlins now, which is really interesting to see. Um, you know, I, I, I really think that people, the, the tragic death of Jose Fernandez, I think really turned the franchise. Uh, I, I think if you kept him, there's one pitcher there. And then you had Stanton, you had Yelich, you had Real Muto, you had Justin Bohr. You guys had a just a murderer's row of mashers there, and you needed pitching. And I think that that his his tragic passing um, kind of was was a, a turning point, unfortunately. Um, yeah. And uh, I was there the uh, spring after he had passed away that winter, and uh, it's just so sad that that happened. Um, yeah. And just what could have been if you had a guy that could be an absolute stopper every fifth day for you uh, and with that lineup um, really could have competed in the last couple of years, I think. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I think I think a lot of the Marlins fan base feels similar to that. And it was, a, unfortunately, a, a, a turning point for the for the franchise and unfortunately not a good one. Um, but I like what I'm seeing from the new ownership. There's a plan. They're sticking with it. It's going to take time. We know that. So it's going to be 
fun to watch, but it's it's a different kind of fun from the last few years. Like you said, the, the murderer's row of mashers is now gone. That's not what's going to entertain the fans in the short term. It's going to be these young pitchers who, hey, they're going to run into trouble now and again, but it's going to be fun watching them develop and get themselves out of trouble. And uh, I mean, just the week just gone with the Braves series, uh, away at the Braves is a tough place. They've got a real tough lineup. We're going to cover this on, on our Marlins pod later this week, but, you know, Sandy Alcantara was didn't have his best stuff, not, not versus the first start against the Rockies, but he got himself out of two major jams in back-to-back innings, both times bases loaded, got out of it, and that's, hey, you haven't got your best stuff. You've got a lot more traffic on uh, knocking around, but getting out of that, you know, and giving them still a chance to win, that's that's what it's about. That's the learning. That's what you want to see from these guys. You know, they're the situations to learn from. Um, so it's exciting um, from a Marlins perspective. And, and this is, you know, we've talked upon about this before we uh, hooked up for this pod. But the ballpark, it sounds like from a red side, is relatively small. It's uh, it's maybe a good <laughs> a good power hitters park if if you have them. So the you know a complete opposite to Marlins Park, obviously. Yeah, so if, if your fans aren't familiar with the uh, Great American Small Park, the Great American Launching Pad, if you will, uh, the dimensions are pretty short. Uh, they built that uh, ballpark. Uh, they had a lot of really big left-handed power hitters. They had Griffey, they had Dunn, uh, and they, they kind of built that park. In my opinion, it, it felt like they built that park so that Griffey could chase the home run record. You know, it, it was a very short porch in left field, not a tall wall height in left field. Uh, it's it's relatively short all the way around. It's uh, yeah, 328 down the right field line, 325 down the – I'm sorry, 328 down left, 325 down right. Center field's uh, 404. So uh, the ball flies out of this ballpark, and uh, it makes it a little difficult to try to sign free agent pitchers. And a lot of people want to come and play half their games here, so the Reds have to, mm-hmm. to acquire people through trades. Luckily, we were able to get Sonny Gray to agree to an extension to pitch here for a while. So you got to keep the ball on the ground. Um, if you're a pitcher, uh, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've seen a pitcher uh, react to a fly ball getting hit thinking, ah, that's an out. And then, mm-hmm. you know, start walking towards the dugout and then turn around and realize it made it into the bleachers. And it's like, how in the world? Uh, so if you're, if you're wanting some offense, uh, typically, um, this is a, a good place to watch. Uh, I was, uh, in the bleachers, uh, in, the mid 2000s when Adam Dunn hit a ball into the Ohio river. Uh, I think it's the only ball to make it to the Ohio river. Uh, it landed on a piece of driftwood. It was 535 feet off Jose Lima from the Dodgers. Wow. Uh, there are, uh, well, we were also talking earlier, the, the, the wall distances being closer on average, uh, a lot of home runs, but it depresses every other type of extra base hit. So, and since the walls are closer, some balls that would normally be doubles in another park are only singles. Some balls that might be a triple are only going to be doubles. Um, so in that regard, unless you've got a lot of team speed, you're not going to see uh, the same number of, of extra base hits on average, uh, doubles and triples. Yeah. Um, the pitchers yeah. also comment about the Reds, uh, about Great American Ballpark Mound. They say the mound is a little different. It takes some getting used to to pitch upon. Um so I don't know if that's something to look for. In, uh, and mm. when you see pitchers kind of uh, pawing at the mound with their feet, trying to get comfortable with the clay, uh, sometimes it's a comfort issue with uh, with the mound. So. Okay, that's interesting. Well, speaking about 
balls in the river. Um, let's <laughs> Good <maybe> segue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, it feels right to maybe go back to. Well, this is being recorded on on the Monday, uh, so from we we'll turn back the clocks uh, to to Sunday. Um, a very topical incident, I'd say, occurred yesterday uh, yesterday evening with the Reds and Pirates game. Uh, and as we touched upon at the start of the pod, it involved uh, what is now a Reds player, but uh, a, a former favourite from the Marlins of Derek Dietrich. Um, do you want to just talk us through uh, <laughs> what happened? And um, you know, maybe we can dig into the detail about what we actually think about you know, what, what went down and whether it's right or wrong for the game, I guess. We'll, we'll start with just the facts and then we'll get, uh, maybe I'll inject my take into what happened. So uh, in his uh, first at bat, uh, Derek Dietrich, who was hitting in the, in the uh, five spot in the Reds lineup yesterday, uh, hit a ball into the, uh, into the river. Uh, and uh, he stood for a, a several seconds and admired his handiwork, uh, which, uh, there are people, reasonable people can disagree over whether that's an appropriate thing to do. We'll say that. Um, immediately Chris Archer stared him down and then Francisco Cervelli, the pirates catcher, uh, said something to him as he was crossing home plate coming back around. And, uh, I loved it. I, I am a fan of, uh, of players expressing themselves. So I was, I was excited not only for the display of, uh, of, Attend, you know, the uh, display of uh, emotion, but also uh, the fact that we scored a run. In fact, two runs. It was a two-on-home run. So it's been a rare occurrence indeed. Uh, the next time that he came up, uh, Chris Archer threw a behind, and pretty much anyone would say that it was an intentional uh, being thrown at. The umpire uh, sprang out from behind his position and gave both uh, benches a warning warned the pitcher warned both benches david bell the reds manager immediately sprang up to argue under the rules if the umpire felt that uh, the pitcher was throwing at a player intentionally uh, enough to give him a warning that he should have been ejected that was david bell's argument uh, david bell uh, it's the most animated i've seen him this is only his ninth game but he was he was worked up uh, and, you know, someone let the wild horse out of his stable when Yasiel Puig came running into the fracas. And uh, <laughs> at that point, both, both benches cleared, both bullpens emptied. Uh, it was what seemed like an army of people trying to restrain Yasiel Puig, uh, ultimately unsuccessfully. There was a bench coach for the Pirates that kept, uh, kept saying something to Puig. And, uh, and he looked like a, a football player, uh, you know, just shucking off the defenders, trying to get him at one point, Votto had him, Melky Cabrera had him the, the now famous picture that's on Twitter of Puig attempting to fight the whole team. Poor Tucker Barnhart <laughs> is hanging on by a shoelace at his feet. So, uh, um, that'll be in the hall at, of fame sometime. Yeah, soon, I, I think, think it should be in a museum somewhere. It's, it's a great yeah. picture. Um, so the, the, the final tally was, uh, the Reds had their manager and two players ejected, uh, Yasiel Puig and, uh, Amir Garrett, a left-handed reliever, which, uh, I believe hurt them in the rest of the game. He would have come in handy. Uh, the pirates had, uh, three players ejected, but another, uh, was not, uh, who was not ejected was the pitcher, Chris Archer, who probably should have been ejected. Uh, mm -hmm. but they had, uh, 
they had uh, Keela out of their bullpen and uh, Vasquez out of their bullpen. Uh, and I believe they had one more, and the name escapes me at the moment. But uh, the, uh, the the rules and the, your last podcast uh, had a, a, a person that was talking about how uh, it's it's silly to throw at people just because they're good. And I, and I, I don't think anybody would would say that this was what, what was happening here. Uh, so mm-hmm. my, my take on it, I am fine with players showing emotion. Um, and I'm fine with Chris Archer hopping and, and moonwalking off the mound when he strikes out somebody in the inning. That doesn't bother me in the slightest. If you are a batter and you don't like that, don't strike out. Uh, if you are a pitcher and you don't like somebody posing at a home run, don't give up a home run. Uh, so, uh, you know, they, they, they took exception to that. Uh, which is their right to do. Uh, but under the current rules, if you intentionally throw at a batter, uh, you're supposed to be ejected. And I think that most people that would watch that would say that was intentional. So that's where I disagree with the umpires is that under the current rules, they should have been ejected. Uh, before they started all this warning business and actually trying to police what goes on uh, with players uh, being hit by pitch, um, this would not have registered at all. Uh, David Bell wouldn't have hopped out of the dugout to argue uh, Derek Dietrich would have probably tipped his hat to Chris Archer. It's like, yeah, okay. And then they mm-hmm. would have gone on about the about. That wouldn't have been uh, uh, a federal case made out of it. So uh, I, personally, I think the rules are kind of stupid. I think that if if whatever triggers an umpire to issue a warning could easily be ejectable, right? So um, I understand not wanting benches clearing brawls. I understand not wanting players to get hurt. That's the biggest thing. You're you're losing a player to an injury, um, yeah. you know, and you know a lot can happen getting getting thrown at. So, uh, it, it will be really interesting to watch going forward uh, the rest of the season because mm-hmm. you know, if, as a Reds fan, the Pirates are the next team up in the division in terms of you know, where we feel like we fall in the division. We've been fifth. The Pirates have been fourth. So, uh, you know, that's the, the next team that, that they need to catch. And so the, the competition um, is always heated with Pittsburgh because we play them 13, 14 times a year, right? So, uh, exactly. yeah, so it's, it's going to be really interesting. And I did circle on my calendar uh, <laughs> the, re- the, the Pirates do return to Great American Ballpark. Uh, they play four games in three, three days um, at the end of May. Okay. Good so chance I'll be back on I may the mound. Find my way back up to Cincinnati. Um, hopefully by then the Reds bats will have heated up and it'll be a little bit more competitive. Uh, but uh, I was really entertained watching it because I love Yasiel Puig's energy. Uh, I want a guy like that in my dugout. Uh, probably needs to do a better job not getting so provoked. And and so his <laughs> reaction and just keeping the fight going is probably what's going to earn him a suspension. But. Um, you know, he, he's got to be a little bit, try to try to keep his head a little better than that. But uh, if you watch the video, uh, as Puig's running out, Chris Archer sees him, kind of gets a big look on his face. His eyes get wide. He sees Josh Bell, a large individual himself, coming yeah. over. And Archer takes a couple steps back to allow Bell to cut in between him and Puig. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not a, a, a bad idea. Uh, I'll also mention that uh, the Reds broadcast team appears to have caught uh, Chris Archer uh, having pine tar on his jersey. Now, it's not mm-hmm. confirmed, but there was a stain that he kept touching and tried to cover it with his glove uh, right where his uh, uh, his shirt is tucked into his pants, right in the front. Uh, 
again, under the rules, that's ejectable. They didn't catch it in time. They really, the broadcaster's team didn't notice it until the last inning he pitched. It might yeah. be something to look for in the future uh, with his starts if he's doing that. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's uh, an eventful uh, Sunday for Reds fans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. It's uh, it's interesting. I mean, it's great to see Dietrich getting off to a pretty hot start for you guys. That's by the end of the game. That was his third homer. Um, He's he provided had the that. lone bright spot, the, the opening day three run homer to uh, to to start. You know, to to come back on opening day. Uh, he is from Ohio. He's from uh, further up in, towards Columbus, but it felt kind of like a home game for him. He got a curtain call from the from the crowd. Awesome. Uh, so that that's been literally the only win. That's been the only winning moment. So, uh, yeah, the, the bench in general, Dietrich specifically, has been uh, much better uh, yeah. than it has in the past. So, I'm hoping that maybe they try to get him in the lineup more. He's he's played quite a bit already, but uh, when when you got to go with a hot hand, so maybe they sit uh, some of the infielders, give him a day off, uh, take turns, and uh, and let Dietrich stay in there. I really wish he could play center, but I know he can't. Uh, that would be the, the quick fix there. So, yeah, he he played quite a bit at left last year for the Marlins, and yeah, I don't think he was that great there, to be honest with you. That's, from memory, that's the yeah. word on him as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think he was just he did it for the team. That was you know, Azuna was moved on. Who's going to play left? Well, we like Dietrich's bat. Maybe stick him there. I don't think defensively he was that great. So uh, yeah, I, I don't think center field will be. A good spot for him either to be honest so sounds like he's searching for that center fielder still but hey the season's still young um so one just one quick piece something that i'm gonna do and i think it's particularly relevant for uh some of the the smaller smaller market teams maybe um we're all interested in fantasy baseball over here and uh um one thing we you know it's interesting to get your thoughts on maybe fantasy players to be aware of from the reds fantasy sleepers that type of thing you know who 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 are we not talking about that we maybe by the end of the season will be as a as a relevant fantasy baseball player so for sleeper picks you know the reds have a lot of well-known hitters um so especially you know now they've got puig and uh, and kemp in the lineup so um you know vado suarez uh, these folks are you know, probably already taken in your leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did see an interesting note. However, Kemp has a pretty good track record against Urania. It's, there's not a lot of history between the pitchers and the hitters on either team with new faces in both places. But uh, Kemp is five for 12 with a home run against Urania. So that might be something to look at in terms of a sleeper pick. No mm-hmm. one would ever pick uh, Cincinnati to score any runs, right? That's not the safe bet, but uh uh, Kemp may be someone, if you've got him on your bench, that you might want to think about starting uh, tomorrow. Um, other numbers against Urania. Votto is only two for nine with three strikeouts. Uh, Tucker Barnhart, the Reds catcher, is two for six with a home run. Uh, Scott Shebler is three for six. And Suarez is three for seven with three strikeouts. And that's pretty much the history against Urania. Um, none of the Reds hitters do much against uh, Richards, and none of them have seen Lopez yet. Nope. Uh, on the Marlins side... Uh, there's again not a lot of history. Um, Sonny Gray against Curtis Granderson. Uh, Grandy is only one for ten, but with three walks in his history, that's really the only uh, the only of the three starting pitchers that's more than a, a three or four at bats. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, however, uh, Prado against Zach Duke. Now, this is ancient history. The last uh, bat between the two was in 2011. But Prado has owned Zach Duke in his career 10 for 21 with three doubles and a home run. Oof. Uh, so uh, take that for what you will. That's a, a Reds reliever. Yeah, uh, we're digging. We're digging deep now. That's a di- that's a deep dive. So uh, <laughs> yeah, but there's there's uh, no other real uh, matchup numbers to speak of uh, in terms of a fantasy sleeper. Uh, yep. Iglesias has been getting a lot of playing time, a lot of timely hits. If he's available, you might want to think about getting him. M- maybe not for this series, but uh, down the line. Uh, if you can get any of the Reds hitters buying low right now because they're all getting up to such a slow start, the numbers are not going to stay this long forever, especially playing half their games in Great American Ballpark. The numbers will go back up. Um, yeah, Peraza is underrated as a as a middle infielder uh, with his offense. He had uh, uh, a good number of home runs last year. I think it was uh, double-digit home runs. And then um, uh, he, he gets the bat on the ball. And he plays a good uh, middle infield. So Peraza would be a good sleeper pick uh, in general for the whole season. Yeah, awesome. Well, there we go. That's uh, It's always useful to dig a little bit deeper on some of these players. And I suppose they'd be interested to see what happens with Nick Senzel as well um, when he comes up and you know what his production will be like. That'd be interesting. Yeah, a lot of Reds fans um, are looking forward to that, uh, to seeing when, when Senzel comes up. Um, he uh, he's not probably going to hit a lot of home runs, uh, fifteen to twenty is it looking like. Mm-hmm. But he does put the bat on the ball, and he, he's good for doubles, uh, good foot speed, uh, good defense. So um, we'll uh, definitely be looking forward to him uh, making an appearance in uh, in a Reds uniform. Yeah, awesome. Well, we've been doing this uh, with each of the each of the guests, looking ahead to the series. I'm going to need to uh, to tie you down for a prediction. Uh, it looks like we've got some strong pitching matchups, actually, the way the the way the lineups are working. Like you said, you're going, well, 1-5-2, so slightly out of order. But, yeah, we're back to 1-2-3. Um, both teams coming off a loss in their last game. Um, the Marlins have won a couple more than the Reds. But what's what's your thoughts going into the series uh, what are you expecting or hoping for, maybe? Uh, well, I, I would expect the starting pitching to continue to be good. Um, mm-hmm. Castillo, Mally, Gray—they've all you know look good in their most recent starts. Um, the the big question is: can can we push a run across? Can we push multiple runs across? So, uh, you know, my prediction would be the starting pitching is going to continue to be strong. These these three pitchers uh, have been have been good. Um, so looking at Tuesday, I would give the edge to Castillo there in terms of starting pitching. Mm-hmm. Urania is a great pitcher, but he struggled early. Um, yep. Mally, Trevor Richards, that's going to be a close one. So, uh, that might be your push game. And then Sonny Gray, Pablo Lopez, uh, Sonny Gray, a home start, you know, it's uh, until he, until he bucks that trend, it's hard to pick him for a home game right now. So, yep. uh, I, I'm going to say, um, the Reds uh, get out of this funk. They win on Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe not on Thursday. So uh, two to one uh, series go to the Reds. Yeah, I I can see the logic there for sure. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna join you on the Tuesday start, and I think Castillo may 
have too much for Urania. Um, I'm going to take Lopez to take the uh, the game against Gray. But yeah, the the Trevor Richards start, I think, is yeah. I mean, that's a tough one to call. I'm going to go with uh, the Marlins victory there and go for a two-one win. I guess that's going to be potentially the decider. But I mean, baseball's a funny old game. Arena will come out Tuesday, probably throw a complete game, um, you know, of one one run ball or something, and you know that'll be that. So, you know, it's a funny could game. Be. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> could, could easily be. Uh, I did have a, a, a couple more notes. If we've got just a few minutes, uh, yep, something course, that uh, is a little little interesting about the Reds, uh, the way their roster is made up. They they carry a four man bench instead of a five man bench. They have 12 pitchers. They have an extra man in the bullpen. Um, their best center fielder on the roster is actually a relief pitcher, Michael Lorenzen. And he has played in most of the games so far, either as a pitcher or as a center fielder. Um, so look for the Reds to utilize him uh, as a pinch hitter and then leave him in to play center or as a pinch runner and leave him in to play center. Um, he, uh, he hit three home runs last year as a pinch hitter. Uh, he's, mm. he's, uh, his, if you, if you've got a TV, uh, uh feed of the game, you'll, uh, you'll notice that his, uh, his biceps are, might be the largest biceps of any pitcher. And he's really got himself in really good shape. And he, okay. uh, in the past, he's, he's been a very good pitcher. He's been a little bit, uh, sporadic so far this spring. Uh, the Reds have also employed some interesting positioning and shifting on certain players. If any of the Marlins players are heavy left-handed pool hitters, um, the short, uh, shortstop or second baseman Peraza will go out into the outfield. They'll play a four man outfield and they'll play all three infielders on the first base side of second base. Uh, they've oh, done wow. that a couple of times against some uh, pool heavy hitters. So if any of them can bunt, they might get a free base. <laughs> well, we'll see on that. Um, yeah. that's interesting. I, I just going back to the bicep side. What, oh, what are we talking about there? Are we, are we talking Eric Thames size or, uh, I will I will let the uh, the viewer decide, uh, but they yeah. they need to look at the uh, the metrics on his sleeve diameter because those the piping on his jersey broke last year. Uh, wow! So he's uh, he's getting better shape this year. Uh, my my hope is that he is a little bit better uh, coming out of the bullpen. Uh, but you know he's he's been the best defensive center fielder so far. He, uh, the, the other outfielders we have are are above average corner. Well, two of the four. The only plus outfielder really defensively is Puig. Shebler's okay. Winker and Kemp are they're in their offense in the lineup for their bats and their bats haven't yet to arrive from Arizona. So hopefully we get that uh, heated up soon. Yeah, awesome. Well, Dave. It's been brilliant having you on. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, where where can guys find you on Twitter if they want to engage and uh, and follow you? Sure. Uh, I was a high school physics teacher, so my physics handle is physicsdave1227. I would also strongly encourage to get the uh, get their Twitter account up. Let's follow at UK Reds and uh, see if we can grow Reds fandom over there across the pond a little bit. Yeah, sounds well. We're all we're all pushing that at the moment. It's a big year for UK baseball 2019. So looking to see all of these fan accounts exploding with with followers. Uh, hopefully, some of this type of content will will help to grow the game, both uh, 
across the UK fan base and uh, equally we're, we're keen to engage with, with US fans as well. So it's been great having you on, our first US guest to our UK Marlin-specific podcast. So that's been awesome. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to check back in as the season progresses and uh, maybe catch up uh, later in the year. Uh, I'm not the, sure the, uh, the Cincinnati, like. Cincinnati goes to Miami at the end of August, 26th through 29th, four-game set. So Perfect. Um, be happy to catch back up with you then. If any of uh, uh, you Brits find your way over to America and either Cincinnati or Atlanta for a game, uh, contact me on Twitter. Maybe I can uh, can uh, meet up with you. Be happy to 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 sit and and uh, enjoy our shared diversion together. Excellent, Dave. Thanks again. We'll catch up in in August. Hopefully, I think by that time things will be a lot clearer as to uh, the outcome of these uh, both our teams for for the 2019 year. Um, but until then, um, we will uh, we'll speak soon. Thanks again. Thank you so much.